How many of you are going to name your next kid Luke, just simply because we've been in Luke? Hope so. The Gospel of Luke, we're back in it. Well, we never left it, actually. And I'm gonna, we're going to continue on in a bunch of different themes through Luke. And today, um, I'm going to talk the first of uh, three weeks on this thought, songs in the key of Luke. And so um, I want to talk about singing to the Lord. Um, the, the verses that we heard this morning talk about singing to the Lord. I want to talk about singing to the Lord, but I also want to use singing to the Lord as a metaphor, a metaphor that describes our lives being like a song that gives a full expression to the glory of God, not just at church or in the church family, but in the world as well. We have, if we're believers, if we've been born from above, we have a resurrection song. We have a song that the world can't sing. And uh, we have resurrection life within us. And so God wants us to sing. There is a call to sing and the passion to sing that fills all of the Bible, but mostly the Psalms. When the psalmist calls us to sing to the Lord, he tells us why God is worthy of our song. The word sing is a verb. It means do it. Like, I will sing to the Lord, David said. But sing to the Lord in the Psalms is also a call to action. Do you know that in the Psalms alone, the word sing is used 119 times in only 102 verses. That's just in the Psalms. Do you know our Lord is a singer? The prophet Zephaniah says, the Lord himself will rejoice over you with singing. Isn't that cool? Can you imagine hearing Jesus sing? <sighs> Blessings come from singing the songs of Jesus. Pastor Tim Keller calls the Psalms the songs of Jesus because they're the songs that Jesus sang. The Psalms, that was the songbook of the, of the believers, Old and New Testament. And they are packed, packed with Holy Spirit anointing to minister resurrection life within us as we sing. As we sing to the Lord, the Holy Spirit can unlock so many aspects of the grace of God in our lives and through our lives as we worship Jesus with singing. Man, I felt the presence of the Lord this morning, right? It's great to have my son singing this morning. Ringo Wharton on the drums. <laughs> Dustin, great. I didn't know you could play good night. Carter Shrek, bringing it home. Come on. And Brooke, we don't take you for granted. We don't take you for granted. Jeez. And Emily, you're just the sweetest thing. And, uh, and Hunter. Well, listen, Hunter, I gave you compliments yesterday about if I was a kid, I'd want you to coach me, right? So don't, so. There are two passages in the New Testament, one by Paul and one by Peter, that talk about the blessing that comes from singing. Paul says, being filled with the Spirit, how? Singing to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart 
to the Lord. Singing to the Lord is a witness to other people, Peter said, showing forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter is saying, you can change a person's life by singing the songs of the Lord. My life was changed in a Wesleyan church one Sunday morning in 1980 when the church started to sing a song about the cross. The next thing I knew, I was at the altar. We've been in Luke. Luke is a gospel for all the people. And the thing about Luke's gospel is you see an invitation that goes out to all the people. Everybody is invited to follow Jesus Christ, the outcasts and the incast, the uppers and the downers. So when I talk about singing to the Lord, I don't want you who think you're not a good singer or someone's told you you're not the greatest singer, and maybe they're right, but I don't want you to feel excluded if you feel like you're not the greatest singer. Here's the thing. Sing anyway. Sing anyway. You're allowed to sing anyway in our church. Maybe not on the platform, but you're allowed to sing anyway because, listen, when you sing, even if you're not a great singer, listen, when you sing your heart out to God, the Holy Spirit fine-tunes it to perfect pitch. Every singing son and daughter of God brings music to the ears of the Lord. So singing means singing. Do more of it. But I'm going to use singing as a metaphor. About a whole life, you and I, growing into a full expression of your kingdom self. Everybody say kingdom self. A full expression of your kingdom self to the glory and praise of God beyond limits and the limitations of 9 to 10.30 at a church service, 11 to whatever. Your life is a song expressed to the glory of God. Today, we're going to look at Mary's song. Luke's gospel has four songs in it. The, the glorificamus, which is Latin for glory to God in the highest. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, they were singing. Can you imagine that? The Benedictus, we're going to look at that next week, Lord willing, where Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who has come and visited his people. It's called the Benedictus. The Magnificat, have you ever heard that before? How many good Catholics do we have in this room today? Anybody wave at me? Are you, you were raised Catholic. Anybody? Darn it. Wave at me, live stream. God bless them. The Magnificat, Mary's song, my soul magnifies, that's the Latin word, the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, and the Nunc Dimittis. If you go, to the, if you go somewhere to order, out to, or order today and you say, what you like, say, I want a Nunc Dimittis, they'll be like, what? No, I'm just kidding. Are you going to laugh at my corny jokes today? Anybody? Anybody? Thank you. She's going to go on a world tour with me someday. She can work the merch table. Big picture of me. On a, no, anyway, no. Let my... Let me depart in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. A lot, of, a lot of New Testament scholars say, and you might have a Bible that does this, if you look at those four songs in Luke, you'll see the typesetting different than the rest of the narrative. They're like in a poetic form. They're, they're trying to tell you that as, as far as they know, as far as we've tracked the history of the church back, there's a good possibility that the church sang those statements as songs, as far as you go back. Now, me, as you know, 
I love to listen to old music. I'm a 70s guy, a 60s guy. And on Saturday afternoon, if I'm not doing anything, or even if I am doing anything and I've got, got my XM app, I pop on 70s on 7 at noon because Casey Kasem's American Top 40 is on there. And it goes back at, and they start from 71 all the way to 79. And I mean, I just dig it. Um, and, 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 and it amazes me that some of those songs that I remember a couple weeks ago, I think it was in 1972, Casey Kasem says, now here's one that's probably going to be in the countdown for a while. It's by this new guy named James Taylor, and it's called You've Got a Friend. It enters in at number 33 today. Where did it go, right? We're still singing it, right? And so you pull from the archives of these songs that, that people have been singing for generations, right? That's one thing. Fifty years later, we're singing You Got a Friend and a lot of other ones. But these four songs in the key of Luke, millennia, now that's a hit, right? These four songs were sung by the early Christians for worship and to establish doctrinal roots in the believers for generations to come. Worship music and doctrinal soundness in the early church was inseparable. And it should be in every generation. And we'll go into that more next week. I want to talk today about creativity and inspiration in our lives. That God wants our lives as believers to fully express originality and creativity. There is no need for plagiarism in your gift from heaven. No, no need. Just as a songwriter wants to do well, God wants to inspire me and inspire you. The Lord also desires that what we are inspired with is released out of us to inspire others. That's what the gifts of God are. I would have loved to have been around some of my favorite musical artists as their creative juices started flowing even before they went into studio, even in pre-studio prep. And I, I would have loved to have been around Dylan when he went from acoustic to electric before anybody knew it. I would have loved to have been around Brian Wilson when he shifted from beach music to thinking about pet sounds. You're like, what is that? I'm like, I feel sorry for you if you don't know. I would have loved to have been around Paul and John when, when the writers were saying the Beatles were done because they were flattened out after Rubber Soul and Revolver. And I'd have loved to have been Paul and John before anybody knew it that they were getting ready to release the number one greatest album in the history of pop music, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. But there's one particular artist that I want to talk about today who inspired this series. He's my friend Stevie Wonder. So, Stevie Wonder, oh, that's what I'm talking about, hey, hang in there, because we're going there, right, okay? So, I want to start with this, points to ponder pre-studio prep. Your life, we're talking about singing, we're talking about creative giftedness, right? You are a, a metaphor of singing your song to the Lord, all right? So, my inspiration for the title, Songs in the Key of Luke, which probably could be, I could get into a court case over plagiarism. I don't mean to be. All credit goes to Stevie, because I was listening to Stevie Wonder uh, this past week, Songs in the Key of Life. I played, I played that baby all week long. It's been one of my favorite albums of all time, as Stevie has also been. In my musical treasure chest, Stevie Wonderful is right there. So, um, so I'm listening to this, and it takes me back. And the thing about Stevie Wonder that's so amazing is, do you know, Motown signed him when he was 12. 
And if you just want to be, have your mind blown by the talent of Stevie Wonder, listen to the album he put out when he was 12 years old. Just the harmonica lick will blow your mind, right? But my favorite of all of his albums, and I love them all, usually my favorite song is whatever one I'm listening to at the moment by Stevie, but Songs in the Key of Life. Think of the title of that, Songs in the Key of Life. Isn't that cool? Right, Ollie? Is that cool? Ollie and I have an argument about something with Stevie Wonder, but we'll keep that between us. I'm right. Anyway, so so there's some beautiful songs on this. I I love songs in the key of life. Isn't she lovely? Did you ever hear that one? Isn't she wonderful? That's a great song. It's about his inspiration of his little baby girl that was born. Sir Duke, I love that one. Well, there's Basie, Miller, Sachimo, and the king of all, Sir Duke. And with a voice like Ella's ringing out, there's no way the band could lose, right? You can feel it all over. Ever hear that one? Go look, man. Spend your afternoon. I wish, I wish these days would come back once more. Just the opening bass and keyboard medley, the intro of that song is enough to just make your, bite your bottom lip and start nodding in your car. You know what I'm saying? But Isn't She Lovely is my favorite. It inspired me and moved me deeply as a teenager for a couple reasons. Number one, my Aunt Patty got pregnant, uh, and, they, uh, and, and uh, Songs in the Key of Life came out, and that song, Isn't She Lovely, became their song, and my Uncle Charlie, that would have been their firstborn baby, and uh, so they sang that, preparing, anticipating her to be born, and Melissa was born, and we all celebrated singing Isn't She Lovely, but sadly, we lost Melissa within a few months of her birth. She was born with a heart defect, and she didn't live very long. And I remember being a teenager in 1975, looking down at a little casket that was about that big, and this beautiful little baby with a blue bonnet on her head. And I looked at her, and my knees buckled. I wasn't living for the Lord, and I said to her, I will see you again. So when I hear, isn't she lovely, I I see in my mind, I don't get sad. I think about the future, that I'm going to see the lovely Melissa, the cousin I never knew, in heavenly glory someday. And that song actually touches me for that reason. That's how Stevie's gift works. Songs in the Key of Life is one of the most brilliant works of musical genius in the history of pop music. I love listening to stuff like that. I love listening to the story behind the artist as he or she was uh, 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 pre-birthing this this particular expression of genius, whether it's Brian Wilson or Bob Dylan who doesn't tell you much. Um, But here's the thing, and this is a side note to the message. Let's throw this out there to you young Jenners. Listen to the minds of the geniuses in your spiritual gift cluster. Listen to the minds of geniuses in your spiritual gift cluster. Remember I said a few weeks ago, search for the sages. I'll get into that and tell you why. Here's another point to ponder pre-studio prep time. I want to challenge all of us. Accept the call of the creative. I didn't say the creator, of course, but accept the call of the creative in other words, every believer, you were, born to, you were born again to sing your heart up. In other words, in your song to the Lord and in the expression of your gift, you know one of the reasons why God gave it to you? So you'd feel really good about yourself. So you'd really be self-built up. 
This isn't selfishness. Enjoying the spiritual person that God has made you to be is not arrogance. It's glory to God. The glory of God is man fully alive, Irenaeus said. Hmm. So, take yourself out to dinner and celebrate your spiritual gift. Ain't nobody else going to do it necessarily, right? Sing your heart up and sing your heart out. We were all born to find the treasures that, the, that God placed within our spiritual DNA. And we should allow the Holy Spirit not only to birth us, but baptize us in those gifts so he can bring them out to the fullest. That's what it means to glorify God and sing your song. So if you're a homemaker, accept the call to creativity. Okay? There is more to do for the kingdom of God than, sit, than up on a platform. Everything expressed from a platform of any kind should em empower you to go do your life. Maybe it's designing. Maybe it's giving. Maybe it's leading. Maybe the reason why some things don't get off the ground because the people can't get off the ground because they need someone to step into the leadership vacuum. And that's you. You can do it. Maybe it's helping Maybe it's caring. We're all supposed to care, but some of us have that caring thing. Maybe it's building. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's nursing. Maybe it's nursery. Maybe it's organizing. Right? We have to talk. Anyway. Maybe it's gather, you have, maybe you're one of those magnetic people. You, you gather people together. Or maybe you're somebody that has the ability to create, create healing situations. Right? Whatever. Sing your life gift. Sing it up. Accept it. Celebrate it. Baptize it in the spirit. Well, he'll do that, but you you get to the bat. You know what I'm saying? Let your gifts and service be your life song. Songs in the key of life. We can find them in the songs in the key of Luke. There is a call to creativity for us. There is a challenge from the Holy Spirit on you and on me to remember that the Holy Spirit is the creator living in each of us. So, sing it up, say it, sing it up. No, sing it up and sing it out. Yeah. My daughter Savannah and son-in-law Mason sat under the pastorate of Erwin McManus for years at Mosaic, and he's written some great books. But my favorite one, my favorite books are the ones that if you look, I've underlined every word. I've yellowed everything to the point that you don't even see anything, not because it's all made yellow. So anyway, in his book, The Artisan's Soul, Crafting Your Life into a Work of Art, which I'm going to refer to a couple places today, he says this, uh, if, if you take a screenshot and put it on Facebook, make sure you get, the, make sure you get down there because we're getting... I don't want to pay any legal fees, but we can do that. Just, just. Our true creativity does not come easily. Creativity is born of risk and refined from failure. 
Artists love without reservation. They give their hearts completely and love, leave nothing on the table. They're naked and unashamed. They leave no room for pretension. I had this. They're original. The grace of God gives them the confidence to be who they are. And because they have given all of themselves, they live without regret. In other words, they don't die with the song still in them. How many of you are feeling what I'm feeling right now? You're feeling this. Mm. Mm. All right. Another book I'm reading right now, because I have a vision to see LOH come to the creative call in the arts for our kids. That's going to be a part of our church. And this book by Steve Turner, Imagine a Vision for Christians in the Arts, makes this challenging statement. Look at this. When Time Magazine compiled a list of the 100 most significant people in the 20th century art and entertainment, there were only five who had shown any public signs of Christian faith. Come on now, let's change that. Songs in the key of Luke. Mary, the Magnificat. Wow, can you imagine? She's probably a mid to late teenager, and she has an angelic visitation. And it's Gabriel, the one who stood at the right side of the altar with Zechariah. And Gabriel tells her she's been chosen. She will be the mother of the Messiah without the union of a man. And the Holy Spirit will create the possibility, right? Now, instead of just thinking that as a Christmas passage, I want you to think it as a christening passage on yourself regarding your song and the metaphor of your life being a full expression to the glory of God. Here's how we all launch our lives to the fullest potential. Inspiration. Mary is inspired Hey, when you expire, that means you're gone. No more breath, no more life. You know, Fred expired. And some die before they die. And the only way to not die before you die is to be inspired. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, look at this, how will this be? In other words, how will I ever become How will I ever uh, get into the point of my giftedness where my expression is to the fullest of the glory of God? How can that be? Because I don't have any connections. I'm not intimate with a man. I don't know anybody in that field. The angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Remember last week? (sighs) In just a few days from now, Right? How's this going to happen? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, or see, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Therefore, He will inspire you. Therefore, that's for all of us. The thing that's going to be birthed into the embryonic place of your soul will be holy. Now, holy, you know, morality, of course, but holy just down to the the bare roots of the word means this is something from God. 
This is a God and no one else thing. This isn't a man thing. This is holy. This is a, so so the, the birth that is in you, Mary, will be the Son of God. So for us, the birth that's in us, the gift, will reflect Jesus. How's that going to happen? I'm just a homemaker. I'm just... I just take in foster kids. I'm just, the just part aggravates God. I'm just a, you're just a, you know what? Hmm, I don't have time to go there. Stop it. There's nothing just about the grace of God. Something else about Mary's inspiration. Verse 36, and look. This is the angel saying, and look, behold, I love that word. King James almost used it. Behold. In other words, I know you look at everything, but stop and really look at this thing. Your relative Elizabeth has also become pregnant. There's a God thing in your relative Elizabeth. She's pregnant with a son in her old age. Although she was called, people were calling her barren. She is now in the third trimester of what God's going to birth in her life. You don't even have a baby bump yet, Mary. And if you stay where you are, once you get the baby bump, ain't nobody going to think it's a God thing. So you need to behold. You need to look and get yourself into an environment of inspiration. How many of you came to church? You didn't know you were coming to church to hear the Lord today. Don't you get out of here without me giving you a kiss. We, we, we. Verse 37. Now look, listen, listen. For nothing will be impossible with God. See the yellow phrase? The Greek means no word from God will be impotent. Think of the word play on that. I didn't say it. Gabriel did. Hey, it it goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham was old. You know, a lot lot of things come with old. One of them is you're not necessarily going to bring a bunch of kids in the world. Although he was old and Sarah's womb was dead, regarding the promise of God, they didn't waver in unbelief. How's this going to happen? Well, this is going to happen, but you get yourself to somebody that's a couple trimesters out in front of you, because I'm telling you, when God puts something in your soul or gifts your soul, it will not be impotent. Unless, and we'll get there in a minute. And Mary's response, yes. Come on. Yes. Yes. I am a servant of the Lord. In other words, in other words, what God's put in my life, yes. I'm going to serve that out. Step one, I'm going to get in an environment that will inspire me to grow in what God's put in my life. Then she says, let this happen to me. Watch this. 
There are people that misunderstand the sovereignty of God. They think, well, if it's going to be, God will make it happen. No, God's saying if it's going to be, get yourself to someone that's in a trimester up the road from you. Well, if God will do it, God, if God wants it, he'll come to where I am. Sometimes we have to go to where I am is I am. Inspiration happens more easily in a creative climate and in an environment that stirs it up. Let's talk about Mary's creative climate for a minute. Look at Mary's passion to get into a creative climate. Verse 39, in those days, remember, the Lord spoke to it through an angel to her. The Holy Spirit's going to come on her, therefore, what's going to be is holy from God. And then he says, look, there's a greater in- inspirational environment outside of where you are. And it says, and Mary what? Read it. What's it say? Mary what? How fast did she get there? Hurriedly. And it doesn't say, and Mary sat back and waited on the Lord. Mary asked people to pray about it for God to open doors. No, she got up and she hurried to the hill country, to a town of Judah, and entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. Listen. If we are open to God's work, we will be able to see God working. If we are, you say, well, I'm open to God's work. I don't just mean in a general sense. Open to the fact that you're special. Open to the, well, I've got to give God all the glory. God goes, would you take my glory and run with it? Well, I just don't want to see Paul said, I used to be a murderer, blah, 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 but I am who I am by the grace of God. Who are you am? If we're open to God's work, we'll be able to see when God is pointing us to people and possibilities that are intended to become a catalyst for us. And if we're not open, you can be a Bible-believing Christian sitting in a church and not be open we will miss God's posts and signs and beholds even though they're in front of us. Young and old, old and young, turning hearts together. Let me ask you, I hope you're moving out on that word as a, God, as a good steward of LOH. I didn't make that up. The Holy Spirit spoke that to my heart to lay at your feet. And like a lot of other things that I've known in ministry, a lot of people wait for the pastor to become the program director of your own destiny. God didn't tell me to tell you, make an appointment and I'll sketch out your life for you. Here's what God said to us. If you're young, think and look for someone older and turn your heart to them. If you're older, Turn your heart to, because I believe there are moments of destiny that will surprise you as you get up and hurry. Mary's creative catalyst, guess who she was? Elizabeth. Let me tell you more about Elizabeth. She was a very old hillbilly. She was from the hill country. No, 
You don't think that's true? I'm going to show you in a minute that that was the way they looked at people from where Elizabeth was from. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the thing that God put inside her began to leap. So when a young person comes to an old person who is wanting to fulfill the destiny of God in their life and have been dreaming dreams that God will meet a new generation and interrupt and intersect their path with Holy Spirit anointing and vision and prophecy, when those people get around one another, things begin to click on the inside. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed in what kind of voice? A loud voice, blessed are you. Instead of, if somebody in the church comes to you or me or whatever with an idea that might only be in the very early, no baby bump, and they got something, instead of saying, who are you? We say, blessed are you. It doesn't mean you set somebody on the platform and you give them the whole show, but there's something going on. Mary wasn't ready to have Jesus yet. When Mary walked in the door, Elizabeth didn't say, boil water, get some towels. No. But she did say, blessed are you. And then she said, and blessed is the thing in your spiritual womb. Look and listen to Elizabeth's affirming, empowering words and imagine leaders like this. Someone accused me one time years ago of wanting to have yes men around me. And they meant that in a bad way like I was a dictator and the one to be around me that would do what I say. A lot of messed up people have been through my life. But anyway, um, I want yes people in our church. I want our church to be a yes church. What do I mean by that? When people have an idea... We help them facilitate it. We don't do it for them. We point them in it to a doorway and a pathway that's created an environment already so they can step in it and have their baby leap in their womb. Come on, somebody. I thought, if, if, if I'd have preached that at T.D. Jakes' church, the guy on that organ just would have went, er, er, er. Church is too white. I could have went Beatles, but I'm going R&B, and there's a reason. Verse 43, and then she says this, and who am I that you came to me? Flip-flops it. Instead of, you came to us, the Sanhedrin, and we're going to decide whether you're worthy or not to have a ministry in our, no, who am I that you came to me? Who am I that you came to this church? And he goes, she goes on and on. The moment I heard your, the thing in me jumped for joy. And li- I love this. And blessed is she who believed that what was spoken to her by the Lord would be fulfilled. It wouldn't be impotent. It would be potent. All things are potent to those who believe the word that God puts in the soul. In Elizabeth's house, when you're around an environment like that, you know what the you know what the natural thing was for Mary to do? She sings. She bursts out in singing, verse 46, and Mary said, actually, Mary sang, My soul exalts the Lord. Right? And my spirit has begun to rejoice in God. You want to get your joy? Discover who you are. 
Discover who put who you are inside of. Don't you feel like actually jumping around right now and just going woohoo and stuff? Look, she meets this third trimester singer. She's a first trimester, no baby bump, no hook in the song, maybe lyrics and no melody. Maybe an idea about how she's going to express her gift, but nobody sees it yet except one person who is just affirming it and stirring it up. Verse 48, and she's singing, because he has looked upon the humble state of his servant, this is what Alexis read, from now on, this is going to be a hit record for all generations. This isn't a one-hit wonder. This thing's going to go exponential from generation to generation. Imagine a church that's transgenerational. Imagine ministries out of our church that reach kids that are here that they're thinking about 2040, 2050. Hmm? Are we going to have to sell our empty building 15 years from now like they're doing up on Washington Street? Who, who didn't go, who, who held on to yesterday until there was no tomorrow? Or waited on the priest? I wish I would have been able to think this, Tim Skiles, before, because you do such a great job in putting the PowerPoint together. Um, I wanted to add how to go deeper on the version notes, because there's an interesting comparison between Hannah's song, the barren woman in Samuel, in the book of Samuel, who gives birth to the first prophet, right, and, and Mary's song. You know, and you know what that says to me? When Mary begins to sing her song, you can, you can, you can hear the words of Hannah song. You know what that means? That means that Mary was a girl in the word. And then what came out of her was what had been implanted in her from her childhood. Because Mary is probably maybe 14 years old. So that means she's been in Shine Kids. That means she did the Bible verse and probably posted it on Facebook. I love what Tyler and Christine and those... uh, But, no, listen, knowing the word of God won't guarantee you launch into a creative kingdom expression. Actually, if you teach the word wrong, it might smother your kingdom expression. In other words, there's people that have been waiting on the rapture for 30 years, and because they're waiting on the rapture, they're not even thinking about 2050. I mean, the vaccines, the Antichrist, and... Joe's the Antichrist, and before that, Don was the Antichrist, and before that, everybody's the Antichrist. I wonder what Jesus Christ would like to do. I wonder if Jesus Christ might have a long-term plan. I wonder if Jesus Christ might not only be here today, but he might be up in 2050. If the Holy Spirit, though, knowing the word won't necessarily launch your kingdom expression, but listen, come on now, get my organ ready. If the Holy Spirit takes you on a journey in the word, you will experience a wellspring of creativity because he cannot deny himself. Come on, Dustin, did you get that? You can blues brothers down the aisle if you want to right now. That was a good one. Do you want to sing your life song? Do you want to live it from start to finish? Do you want to leave a legacy for generations? 
God wants you to, too. Peter said, God has given each of you a gift, and probably more than one, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now, I want to end this, but I'm not going to end yet. I want to get real personal with you and me and you. I want to ask you some real deep questions that you need to get to and really answer if you're going to be a creative. If you're going to express your life fully to the glory of God. How many of you have been to Catalyst with me before? Raise your hand. Wave at me. I don't know if you were there for this, but uh, if those of you were there when Brian Houston uh, got up and he said, you know what, I wish I could speak like an Aussie, but I can't. But he said, I told, I told our, our, our Hillsong United, we're not doing Oceans anymore. Oceans is a great song. You love oceans? I love oceans. Take me deeper where my faith. They, they did oceans so much that Brian's love for the song Oceans dried up. And so Brian said, we're, we're going to put oceans away for a little while, right? And then he said, he said, uh, I want you to think about singing songs with the name of Jesus in it. Now, here's the thing. If the spirit of the Hillsong band would have been like, wait a second, you're over in our territory, brother, pastor. But no, Brooke Ligertwald, she got away. And she wrote a song called, What a Beautiful Name It Is. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. See, because, because when, you have a, when you have a teachable, humble spirit, God can launch your life. Did that song make it? Could the Holy Spirit move even if you didn't do oceans? And before, before that, he said to him, we're not doing shout to the Lord for a while. And that's where oceans came from. See how it works? Now, I said all that to say this. Brian said in his sermon, nobody has an unlimited ceiling of talent, but the Spirit does. You listening? And even though there is a ceiling for all of us, that ceiling is much higher than most of us will personally believe. So create, dream, go for it, because to create is to reflect the image of God. To create is an act of worship. Baby. Here's another question. Here's the questions. Here's the questions. Stop that clock. I'm preaching until I'm done. This is... Question number one. Who is in your studio? In other words, who is in your artisan's soul? Your soul is your studio. Who is allowed in? No matter what you've experienced, I've experienced, we've all experienced trauma. We've all experienced it at some level. We've all experienced triumphs. We've all experienced dreams and doubts, discouraging moments, great moments of inspiration in our artisan soul. And God wants to use all those things and bathe them in his healing stream and bring them all out different tunes for different times for different people. And faith, hope, and love is the Trinitarian unbreakable link that releases God's healing stream through the fountain of the inspiration that he builds in our life. But here's the question. Who do we allow into our studio? 
Who gets to touch the soundboard buttons? There are some people that we have to have in our life, but they should not be in our studio. Second question, who has given editing rights to your spiritual expressions? Bob Dylan told me one time, it's best not to share your dreams with everyone because there are those who are too toxic and your dream will trigger in them a need to kill yours lest they face up to their own issues. <laughs> Joseph's brothers mocked the gift of Joseph's ability to dream. David's brothers scorned the gift of faith that was intended to kill a giant that they all prayed about instead of doing something about. David's wife denounced his worship expressions and became barren for doing so. Who has given editing rights to your spiritual expressions? Decca Records told John, Paul, George, and Ringo that they didn't pass their audition. Decca Records, the head said to them, guitar bands are on their way out. Guess who was on their way out? Decca Records. George Martin at EMI thought differently. The artist decides who gets editing rights to what totally belongs to you. The expression of your gift or your song can be fashioned or tainted depending on who is allowed into the control room of your soul. George Martin took the Beatles to another level by affirming and challenging them to dig deeper and stretch. And they were smart enough to listen. He also showed them chords and theory they'd never heard because they had not been exposed to the broader experience of Elizabeth, I mean, George Martin. They were completely different than he. He was a starchy, white-collar Thai guy, and they came in, Liverpool river rats, and, and George said, you're going to have to change your appearance, and uh, George Martin, and George Harrison said at 19, I don't like your tie, mister. And it caused George Martin to fall in love with them. Will you write your song in the key of life like Mary? If you're gonna, you have to face another question. This is the most important one. I don't care what time it is. Because if you want to live before you die, you'll stay and listen. We need to face this question over and over and over again. Will your soul be cloistered in Nazareth? or explode to its intended destination. And it's not up to God, it's up to you. It's not up to your family, it's up to you. It's not up to me, it's up to you. This one here, nobody can walk across the bridge and fight the enemy, daniel son. You alone, this no tournament. <laughs> Nazareth, can anything good come from there? where Jesus came from. In Matthew's account, when they're mocking Jesus, it says to fulfill the prophecy that says he shall be called a Nazarene. The Hebrew word is netzer, netzer. It's a derogatory term put on somebody that says you will make no impact because you come from somewhere of no impact, no significance, and no importance. He will be called a netzer. Who has been calling you a netzer? 
When you express your dream, your creativity, and someone calls you a netzer, they're the netzer. Kick some people out of your studio, not your life. There was a guy named Murray that was all around uh, Brian and his brothers, the Beach Boys, and cousin Mike, Love, who my daughter had a crush on when she was a kid. And Murray was all in, in the sound room and the lyric content, and he would break in when they were recording and say, change this, change that. And they did this for a long time, from 62 up to uh, 65, to the point that Brian Wilson had a nervous breakdown over it and, and had panic attacks and didn't tour anymore. Um, so they got together as a band without Murray, and they fired Murray. Murray was Brian Wilson's father. He had to fire his father not from being his father, but for having his influence in the studio of creativity. And when Murray got kicked out, Brian Wilson wrote Pet Sounds. Gotta keep those loving good vibrations happening with her. Some say the greatest pop album ever written. Some say Sgt. Pepper, Pet Sounds is right there. But sometimes you have to kick out Murray to get the creative wellspring to flow. Not out of your life, out of your studio. Cloistered. It means to be kept away from the outside, sheltered and smothered. Jesus was sheltered for a time by God in Netzer, <laughs> in Nazareth. But in the fullness of time, he was to break forth. They said, all the world, everybody wants you to stay here and preach. He said, I have to go somewhere else and preach. That's why I've been sent. I got to go somewhere else and preach. Nazareth was a place of blessing that was to launch him, not to define him. Cloistered or metamorphous? Metamorphous is a change of the form of you into something new and completely new. The church in Acts was called to not leave Jerusalem until heaven dropped the Holy Ghost clothes on them. And then they were leave to cocoon and get about it and break out into God's world where they ate raccoon and stuff. But without the breaker breaking into us, the creative Holy Ghost, we can go anywhere and there will we be cloistered wherever we are with someone else running the volume and editing our lyrics. Well, it doesn't sound like it's not about going somewhere, it's about becoming someone else and then assuming the Buzz Lightyear manta, mantra to infinity and beyond. It's not about going somewhere else as much as it's about growing so God can send you somewhere else. It's like C.S. Lewis said, remember, he's the artist and you're the painter. You can't always see it, so quietly submit to be painted. Let's end with this. One last thing by, our, uh, by Irwin. Whether we realize it or not, everything we do is an expression of either how alive our souls are or how much we've allowed ourselves to be deadened over time. True creativity does not come easily. Creativity is born of risk and refined from failure. One more thing he said, last thing. What is your idea of you? Who is it that you have decided to become? 
If your greatest work of art is the life you live and ultimately life is a creative act, what life will you choose to leave behind as your masterpiece or a piece of the master? Would you stand? I want us to soak in this moment. This is a message I hope you go and listen to again, watch again, or listen to. But listen to and you share it. If you're gonna share one, share this one. Close your eyes, please. Soak in this moment. Who's in your studio? Who have you given editing rights to your life song? And they shouldn't be in your soul and in your head. Are you passionate about getting into a creative environment and empowering the dreams of those who came to you because they see something creative in you that you might be able to empower? Please don't kill them. How quick are you to move into new places? If you're to be in nurturing time in Nazareth, don't hurry out. But a healthy Nazareth experience nurturing you will stir you to wonder what's on the other side of the hill. Father, we just lift our hands and our hearts and our soul. We bring the studio of ourselves and we say we allow the Holy Spirit to magnify the gifts you've placed in us to glorify the name of Jesus, we want to make full proof of our life. And we pray that the wind of the Holy Spirit will continue to blow upon us and reveal things not yet known or understood, and we move quickly into environments. May our church be, may this church, not our church, may your church be a place where people's lives, lives launch where we free people up and get the grave clothes off of a resurrected man. In Jesus' name.